Greetings, heroes of the internet. I'm Nathan. And I am the Omni Viewer. And this is Henshin Men, a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high-flying and high-kicking adventures. In this installment, we will be discussing the special duty combat unit, Shines Men. Episode 1. Hiroya Matsumoto is hired by the Wright Trading Company and recruited to join a special superhero team to battle a rival corporation run by would-be alien invaders. Meanwhile, the evil Prince Sasaki must babysit his ditzy cousin Shina, who falls in love with Matsumoto. Hello, listeners! (laughs) You might be noticing that Travis isn't around this week. Well... Some stuff came up in his personal life that he had to attend to is really important. So I'm taking over the show, so to speak. <laughs> but I wanted to make sure that even though I'm pausing our common writer coverage, that you still got some content this week. And I have to say, I'm really excited to have Ryan the Omniviewer Collins here with me. In fact, this episode was a request that you made not long after I launched the show with Travis. Yep. I thought it was good material because it's sort of in that vein, but a little bit left to center from normal, you know? It is, but the thing is, is that the shtick of our show is Henshin Heroes, and Mm -hmm. Travis and I have had a lot of talks about what would that include and things like that, and so with today's subject matter being an anime... I mean, it, it, yeah, a little left of center technically, but this is a Sentai parody, a Super Sentai parody, and mm-hmm. the characters do Henshin, so it counts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So do you want to tell the folks a little bit about a special combat unit Shinesman? Well, Shinesman for short, as I'm sure we'll be referring to it most of the time, is basically sort of in the vein of your Super Sentai shows, like G-Ranger, which became Power Rangers in the States, or things like that, where you have the five-man band who are all color-coded for your convenience, fighting against the evil aliens. Only, in this particular case, rather than being a bunch of teenaged characters, or teenage to, like, early 20s, I guess. Oh, yeah, teenagers with attitude, I think is the term you're looking for. (laughs) Exactly. Rather than being those kind of characters with themes going on something like dinosaurs or zodiac animals or jets or something, instead we have corporations. I know. Professional... (laughs) Businessmen with suitcases and neckties and whatnot. Yeah, it's superheroes. Yes, it's something else that was actually very popular in Japan for many years. The salaryman comedy. It's kind of like that. It's like mm-hmm. it's a salaryman comedy plus Super Sentai, which exactly. actually sounds like a, a recipe that could be very fun. I thought. 
It was the combination you didn't know you wanted until you saw it. Exactly. The thing about Shinesman is it's only an OVA. It's a two-episode OVA. There was a manga. I did a little bit of research. I found that there was a manga mm-hmm. that ran for several years. I don't know if you can find that manga anywhere in the States. <laughs> I haven't found it. I would be curious to read it because I will say this up front. I'm actually a little bit disappointed that this is only an OVA. This feels like a pilot, ep- like a two-part pilot that I wish had gone to series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's something you should know up front. You'll be seeing a lot of plot points if you watch this set up, but not necessarily paid off. Well, yeah, and that's the other thing that bugged me a little bit because I, like I said, I did a little bit of research and I read up on some like stuff about it on Wikipedia and all that, and it, the Wikipedia brought up stuff that I'm like, that wasn't in the OVA. Why wasn't that in the yeah. OVA? And I'm like, I bet this was meant to go to uh, this was meant to be the pilot for a series, and it didn't get picked up. <laughs> That's my theory. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I have no idea. I guess this is all stuff that was in the manga. And so if you want to see all of that, you got to read the manga. But yeah. <laughs> Although I found out Sheena is exclusive to the uh, to this OVA. She's not in yeah. the manga. And the sound episode, I believe. But the sound episode is definitely not available west of the Pacific. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this, I've actually been aware of this for some time now, but I never watched it until the decision was made to have you on to talk about it. But I've been aware of this because it was released by Anime Works, which was an imprint of Media Blasters. Mm-hmm. I think it still is. I think Anime Works still technically exists. I think. Could be wrong. But so they released it on VHS and, uh, and then eventually on DVD in the mm-hmm. early 2000s. This was made in the early 90s, I believe. 96, I think. 96, okay. So that would have... You know, that would have been at the height of Power Ranger Mania. And you know, I'm trying to think what would have been like the Sentai at that time in 1996. Uh, probably like, I think it would either be Kaku Ranger or Car Ranger. Or something. If it's around the time of Car Ranger, that would actually make sense because Car Ranger was a parody. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which didn't translate into Power Rangers Turbo. Oh, it hurt. <laughs> but, it's not a perfect uh, world. Uh, yeah. But. All that to say, so it would it would actually make sense. The manga, I think, had been going on for a few years before that. Mm-hmm. And I was aware of it because I was collecting the Rurouni Kenshin DVDs that Media Blasters was putting out. I And I adore Rurouni Kenshin. It is, to this day, one of my favorite animes. Well, they had trailers for all of, you know, for all of the other animes that Anime Works was putting out, most of which I had never heard of. But on several of those discs, there was a trailer for Shinesman. And I would watch it. And I'm like, what is this? And I, I was still confused about it. I, t- to be honest, watching the trailer now, I'm just like, this tells you nothing. Because <laughs> 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 the way the trailer's edited, it emphasized the humor above everything mm-hmm. else. And a lot of times, it, the, it was jokes that were a little bit out of context. I'm just like... What is this? And then I remember hearing rumors for a long time from other anime fans saying that the dub for this was completely different than the Japanese. And I, I we watched the dub because I, I haven't purchased the DVD. I wanted to purchase it. It's a little pricey, but I, I managed to. In that department. Yeah, I managed to find the dubbed version on YouTube, which I'll put a link to it in the show notes so you can watch it. From what I understand, the dub version is more popular anyway, and I typically give dubs a chance when I watch anime anyway. 
And yeah, uh, but I heard that it was completely different. That the dubbers made it funnier, supposedly. Like obviously, there are still jokes that are inherent to the series, but in terms of actual dialogue, they did a little bit of liberty taking, <laughs> but for the better, I think. Yeah, so. I've heard some people say that the dubbers did that because they weren't all that impressed with the original material anyway. Yeah. I mean, I have to watch it in Japanese before I can make that decision. But uh, because I, although I will tell you, there are some jokes in there that are definitely American pop culture yeah. references, some of which we'll get into when we get to the awards. Mm-hmm. But because <laughs> I'm like, I bet that wasn't in the Japanese. It's also a little bit of a dated joke now. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go quite as far as Ghost Stories dubbed went, but it goes just far enough. Yeah. So, but I will say this just up front. I enjoyed this enough on YouTube that I am, I would actually be willing to track down a decently priced copy of the DVD Mm. and add it to my library. I think I would be totally cool with that because unfortunately, even though media blasters has been re-releasing a lot of stuff of late, I don't know if this is on their list. Yeah. I wish they would because this seems like, in this current environment with this uptick in interest in tokusatsu and superheroes, seems like the perfect time to put this back out again. Yeah. Like I said, I got lucky. I happened to live near a store that's known for reselling old DVDs and stuff. I was looking through their anime section one day and I saw, Oh, Hey, Shinesman DVD for like $4. Oh man. I'm so jealous. Yeah. Yeah, because the cheapest I could find it on Amazon or eBay was 30 bucks. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what it cost originally when it got released, because that was back in the early days of anime on DVD when prices were, you know, yeah. one notch below, you know, a pound of flesh in your firstborn. <laughs> Even the earliest DVDs released domestically were still that way. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all of that to say... You know, we talked about how this is corporations versus corporations. So it's kind of funny mm-hmm. in that. So <laughs> so we have the good guy corporation that has the superheroes and then the bad guys run their own corporation because apparently their goal is to take over the world through corporatocracy, which is yeah. just kind of funny. And actually, weirdly timely because Disney. <laughs> oh, yeah. Disney and Amazon and Apple, among several other companies, are all probably, uh, Facebook, are all vying to take over the world in some form or another. So I think we and, need some Shinesmen. <laughs> and to further the Disney allegory, there is a theme park that's central to this series. Yes. So. <laughs> yes, there is. But I I love the, the way this first episode opens. Well, first it opens with a cold open that basically just tells you this is what you're getting into. It just, Mm -hmm. it does it in a very Japanese sort of way. You're just thrown into the thick of it. You have, don't really have exactly an idea what's going on, but it's monster appears, heroes show up. They transform. They got their power ranger looking suits. They fight the monster. They beat the monster. They make a few little witty jokes. And then the theme starts. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Not sure exactly what all is going on there other than monster and heroes, but sure. (laughs) And then we get the fastest origin story ever because our POV character, Mr. Matsumoto, basically (laughs) he becomes a superhero because he went to the right job interview. (laughs) 
yeah. <laughs> right? It, actually, well, that's not the button I was going for, but, uh, you know, it's right in more ways than one. That has to be intentional. The right trading company. Yeah. They actually, <laughs> and he was the only one who just happened to answer a question literally. <laughs> That's one of the things that actually didn't make it into the OVA from the manga. Uh, one of the things that you'll notice when you watch this series is that the Shinesman team has some hideous colors. They yeah, are, they make fun of, they may, uh, that's a running joke is mm. people keep complaining about four of the five members' colors. Yes, the, the colors, for those who haven't seen it, are Shinesman Red, Shinesman Gray, Shinesman Moss Green, Shinesman Sepia, and Shinesman Salmon Pink. Not exactly what you would look for in a superhero team. No, uh, I think they actually said the only one that was any uh, was decent was Red. And then yeah. I didn't mind. I was like, okay, so it, because it's Moss Green, that's a problem. I've seen plenty of Green Rangers. What are you talking about? And then yeah, but it's not a vibrant green. No. And then Salmon Pink. I just thought that was funny because they're just <laughs> tacking that onto pink. I was like, I've seen plenty of pink Power Rangers and yeah. gray. Kind of get that. Gray's not the most exciting color for a superhero. And or uh, sepia. And sepia just sounds funny. It's because sepia is just yeah. a funny sounding name for a color anyway. <laughs> Yeah. But, so maybe something got a little lost in translation, but I just thought the ad the additions, you know, it's moss green, not just green, moss yeah. green, and it's salmon pink, not just pink, you know. But there is a reason. There is a reason that wasn't specified in the OVA, but it is specified in the manga. Oh, what's that? The reason is during the job interview, the woman who is in charge of the whole thing, Kyoka Sakakibara, she basically at random during the job interview asks, what color do you think is appropriate for a superhero? Matsumoto is the only one who took that question literally and went with red because his little brother, a character who everybody loves, well, I'm sure we'll get to him later, mm -hmm. is a fan of these kind of henshin series. And he thinks red is the coolest member of the team. Yeah. The, the great men, which is kind of funny. So we have this thing where it's like, what was first, the chicken or the egg here? So we have mm -hmm. a superhero universe where there is a superhero TV show, but the, the real-life superheroes are a lot like the heroes in the TV show. So it's like, what came first? You know, we don't know. Yeah. They never say. But anyway, in the manga, we get the explanation that the other four members of Shinesman thought that was some sort of trick question. They thought it was like, what color do you think is appropriate for the interior of an office space? So they went with safe answers like, oh, I think sepia is a good color to paint the walls, ma'am. <laughs> and not knowing that they would be stuck with that wearing it in public. So. <laughs> that's actually funny. I wish they had brought that up. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's great. But please tell me, I, I'm trying to find his name, but what is the little brother's name? Yoda. Is it it's really Yoda? Well, like, I, uh, like, I trained Luke Skywalker in Star Wars Yoda. It's spelled, when romanized, Y-O-T-A, but everyone pronounces it Y-O-D-A in the dub. So <laughs> That threw me off so hard, because I'm like, Yoda? Is that a joke? It's Yota. Ta. Yeah. Ta, ta, ta. Not duh. <laughs> Learn to enunciate, but they probably did it as Yoda on purpose. I don't doubt it. Yeah, I don't doubt it at all either. And but, everybody loves Yoda, of course. Of course. He was the original baby Yoda because yeah. he's small and young <laughs> and cute and everybody adores him. Of course. And they should. They should. That's actually a little bit of a theme that we have throughout this. There's a there's a theme of family and younger 
well, not this, not strictly younger siblings because Shinesman Red has a younger brother, and then our villains have an annoying cousin. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought it was a little sister at first, but it's actually a cousin. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So th- I guess that's a little bit of a through line that we have there, which I actually kind of like. Now I will yeah. say this: the theme song it's catchy and it sounds very Sentai-ish. Oh yeah. So you know, if you want to listen to some good music, I do recommend that one. And the lyrics kind of keep skirting the line between being like typical Henshin lyrics about action and overcoming things, but then also skewing into getting overtime work pay and no tax. Yeah. So (laughs) it's like one of those things where it's, oh, it's you're secretly superheroes or super villains, but you have to pretend to just be cubicle workers, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that you have the most mundane jobs ever, but you're secretly awesome. (laughs) Even the outfits, even the Shinesman outfits have this thing in the center that looks like a necktie. Yep. <laughs> so I actually really like it. And there's some other things where they kind of play with that. Like the bad guys have a portal entrance between their underground lair and the office building where they're running their front to take over the world <laughs> the, mm-hmm. por- the portal it's like it's an elevator in a bathroom stall in a men's room yeah <laughs> they cracked me up because they just they do it so casually it's like the two guys just get into the elevator and as that goes up then they slowly you know slowly their human forms with their business suits just appears on them while they're just having a conversation just talking and then mm-hmm. it comes up and it's just in a men's room stall and i just i died when i was watching that <laughs> partly because i've actually done something similar <laughs> on the i have a a novel called ninjas and talking trees that's a portal fantasy and the portal is a porta potty at a renaissance fair so it made me think of mm-hmm. that uh, and speaking of that, we also have a lot of meta jokes in this. I can't help but wonder, was like, was that part of the original? Did they throw the dubbers throw that in there? Because there's so many meta jokes. You know, like I think uh, I think she's one OVA short of a series, and you know, and hey, look, an anime star. Because when the because when Sheena shows up and she's got a monster with her and she's trying to terrorize people, they're like, oh, must be somebody promoting the anime store or something. <laughs> They don't yeah, take her seriously. That's another running theme. Everyone who sees something, for lack of a better term, supernatural happening when it involves the Shinesmen or the aliens or anything, they always at first think it's somehow part of the show, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't dawn on them that it's real right away. <laughs> Which makes you wonder, what kind of wor- a world do they live in? <laughs> that is a very good question. Because I know that's a little bit of a joke, that, you know, if you live in a superhero universe or even like a kaiju universe. Like I would love there to be, uh, you know, like a Godzilla movie where people are just so used to kaiju that whenever Godzilla or his whatever opponent he's fighting show up, they're not, they don't even care anymore. Like they barely just go into their, you know, go into the buildings to avoid getting stepped on. They're just like, Oh yay. Again. (laughs) We we almost got to that with Godzilla 2000 where we had Kaiju storm chasers. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, And the other thing that I think, and this is done on purpose. Normally, Stuff like this would drive me crazy, but because this is a, a semi-self-aware comedy, there are points where the dialogue, I think, is intentionally expositional and stilted. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's just, 
Okay, I actually wrote file. in my notes. Thanks for the expedition expositional info, dumb bad guys. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. They're just saying there's like, we are I was like, I am the prince of this planet and you are my assistant and we are here to take over the world. And they're just like, why are we why are you two talking to each other like this? Oh wait. <laughs> this is a semi-self-aware comedy. <laughs> Yeah, it's like any of the stuff you see in Young Frankenstein. (laughs) It's there because it's there in the originals. (laughs) Yeah. It just, it was cracking me up. And I was actually writing down a lot of the lines in here because I thought, oh, that's that's in contention for best line. You know, uh, so I had stuff like, I wrote a few of them down. From this episode, you had stuff like, you know, I give her the TLC of a blind puppy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just like what? Where? <laughs> and then well, another one is uh, do the monster mash on the bad guys and take no prisoners. <laughs> that was salmon pink. <laughs> or whoa, giant fish right in my face. <laughs> yeah, that was in the trailer. <laughs> and again, shown given to you in the trailer out of context. I'm like, what is going on? When you actually watch it, it makes sense. I have to yeah. say that the trailer makes this thing seem like it's just terribly random and it doesn't I don't want to say almost FLCL-ish but it gives that impression but then when you actually watch it it makes sense it's exactly. not random so I feel like you know that trailer does it no favors but yeah uh <laughs> And of course, in terms of dialogue, there's also the certain running gags, like everyone, literally everyone who sees Sheena referring to her as a bimbo. (laughs) (laughs) She, which is ironic given how she is her care, like her, one of her sticks is that, which is, I think, I wonder if they did this on purpose to kind of like subvert the anime girl stereotype almost Mm. because she's covered head to toe. And at first I just didn't think anything of it. She's this alien, this bratty alien princess who wants to take over the world. Okay, whatever. I don't Mm -hmm. care. And then there's this bit later where in one of the funniest scenes from this first episode, (laughs) she goes into a costume closet at that theme park. And she's like, Oh my gosh, the costumes. And she's, trying them all on and you know it's like she takes her outfit off and she's trying on all these different costumes and in uh you know uh, you know i'm just gonna bring uh, bring it up i almost made this one of my award but there's a point where she finds it's it's a godzilla pastiche let's just mm-hmm. call i forget what they called it they called it something call- else but then it gets called godzilla later which just cracked yeah. me up uh, there's also a lot of easter eggs in that if you see and I actually took this screenshot and put it on social media and sent it to Travis. I'm like, what stands out to you? And he's like, oh, because yeah. uh, there's different masks on a shelf. One of them is Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster. Mm-hmm. But the one I was hoping he would see that he did see was Kamen Rider. <laughs> Kamen Rider was on the shelf. And I, now yeah. I'm like, wait, we have Frankenstein and Kamen Rider. What are the other ones? I didn't recognize the other ones. But I anyway, swear one of them looked like the that green rabbit from the Star Wars comics. Whatever yes, Jackson. Jackson yes. with two X's. Actually, I think three X's. It's two or three X's. But however yeah. many, he's a rabbit. Yeah, he's a rabbit from the Marvel Star Wars comics from the 70s. <laughs> but <laughs> so there's all those funny little Easter eggs. And then she puts on the suit. And then she gets stuck in the closet because I think it was a mop or something fell down and blocked the door so uh-huh. she couldn't get out. And then she learns about the perils of suit acting because <laughs> she starts sweating like crazy. She's she's about to die, uh, you know, pass out from heat, uh, heat exhaustion. And has, again, 
this was in the trailer, but again, what is the context? <laughs> Which is, I'm burning up. I'm going to die in a Godzilla suit. <laughs> and so then matsumoto comes in and he gets her out of the suit so she can breathe and all that and she's like oh my gosh you can't see my bare skin if anyone sees my bare skin he must become my boyfriend or i kill him (laughs) i'm like oh (laughs) yeah then it's cute now and then i will admit that was at that point where i'm like okay you're bratty i don't necessarily hate you but you're a bat but you're one of the villains and then after that, she started slowly growing on me. I'm like, you know what? You're not so bad. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, I'm glad they included Sheena. I've seen early, early reviews of this where people say she's annoying. But I think her growth throughout the, these two episodes is actually pretty natural. We see her go from being really annoying to slowly becoming more endearing mm-hmm. to the point where we get to the end. And I don't know how you treat spoilers on this. Uh, save but- it for when we get to the next episode, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, there, so that sets her up to have this, like I said, this character arc and this OVA. And it actually makes sense because she says it's because I'm royalty. You can't see my bare skin. If you see my bare mm-hmm. skin, you have to die or you have to marry me basically. And I'm like, you know what? That makes, that actually makes sense that. Yeah. So they're actually giving a justification for subverting, you know, the anime girl trope, unlike live action bebop. So yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have taken several shots at, at Netflix Cowboy bebop on my podcast of late. So <laughs> it's become my favorite punching bag at this point. Uh, so then she starts becoming more endearing. And the thing that's crazy is Matsumoto doesn't realize she's, one of the villains and she doesn't know Matsumoto is one of the shinesmen. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, it's a, it's not quite Clark like Clark and Lois Superman <laughs> sort of a thing, but it's close enough. I, I liked it. Yeah. It's, it's a classic superhero trope and it, you know, I, I enjoy it because it's always good for, you know, for drama. And of course the, the other important thing to note about Sheena is that part of the reason she's a bit more silly, I guess you would say is because of how she was exposed to earth culture before arriving. I know. Because so the because yeah. one of the the assistant I I forget what it because it's a uh, Sasaki is the prince and then uh, oh is, no is it Seki oh the this says they're both princes so I'm trying to remember which one is the cousin which one is the one in charge. Is it Sasaki? Sasaki is the uh, is the one in charge. Seki is the assistant. Okay, Seki. So Seki did said we had very little footage of the actual Shinesman. So I sent her episodes of Great Man. <laughs> so her perception. From the cartoon channel. Yeah. Oh. So so her her, her understanding of human culture comes. It's it's like it's entirely from cartoons. It's entirely from cartoons. Which might explain why she acts the way she does with being a little bit over the top and everything. So mm-hmm. she's like, she the world runs on these tropes. And everyone's like, no, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Classic misunderstanding. <laughs> and I love, I do love the, I love the bit with the, with her big, mean, ugly looking monster look that looks straight out of, I mean, that thing could have been an anime monster. It could have been mm. straight out of a Sentai. I mean, it looks like a Power Ranger villain. And mm. it gives, like, she's having a conversation with it, and it doesn't talk. But she asks it a question, and it does the A-OK sign. I'm just like, 
It's just so weird saying that, and it's funny. Just that image is just funny. That would be Giramul, I believe its name is. Okay, I couldn't remember what its name was. And of course, by the end of the episode, when it gets defeated, they find a way to sneak in a South Park reference. Oh, really? When she goes, oh my God, they killed, oh, they killed Giramul, you bumsters. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> the South Park had just become a thing at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of motivations, I mean, there's that scene where, and you see it in a lot of animes, where the hero has been knocked down and they're about to die. And then that's... It, this this OVA series is like Dune because you're getting in every character's head. I actually wrote that down. It's like, this is Dune. You're in every single character's yeah. head. And there are points where there was a point where they're getting beat by the monster and you're hearing what they're telling themselves so that they can motivate themselves to, you know, find their second win and defeat the monster. And they're all hilarious. <laughs> like one guy's like, I have a date with twins. And <laughs> I must give my daughter a stuffed fish. Yeah. I can't lose to her. She has terrible hair. I know. It's just so funny. And then, yeah, then they uh, get their second one to defeat the monster. And then you started a bit that I have to confess. I actually kind of referenced this whole time with my siblings, even though we had only ever seen the trailer. We never actually saw this thing, which was mm-hmm. the whole uh, you know, Sheena get in the vortex (laughs) and that which comes back later (laughs) it actually starts earlier when sheena first shows up it's sheena get in the car get in the vortex and we'll get to episode two in a moment yeah (laughs) all of that to say well there's a lot of really good setup there's some really good lines and uh, it flows very nicely into the Mm. next step into the next episode i do want to bring this up i love Shinesman Red's attack, like his primary attack, <laughs> just cracks me. It was, it was business card cutter. <laughs> it's like, well, Gambit, you're not, dude. I'm just. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and we we can't move on to the second episode before mentioning the ad break. Oh, that's in my awards. Oh, okay. Do that's in my awards. That? We'll save that for the end because okay. I, I have opinions about that one. Okay. <laughs> but all right. Now it is time for us to transition. Episode two. Wanting to prove herself to her cousin, Sheena orchestrates an ambush to draw the Shinesmen up by replacing the great man actors with powerful imposters at the opening of G Park. Can Matsumoto protect his little brother as Shinesman Red at the show? All right, so we go into uh, the second episode that builds off of the next one very nicely. It doesn't end on a cliffhanger. By the way, I do what I will comment on the end theme. The end theme's okay. Yeah, but I feel like there was a missed opportunity there. Like, I know that if you're going to save save money on animation anywhere, it's probably going to be the ending. So having just still images is fine. But I feel like if they had gone the extra mile and done something closer to the endings of a Super Sentai show where you see them sort of just goofing around in regular settings. Yeah. That would have made the package fully complete. Probably. But this was a point where I started notice wondering about some of the things in there. Like I'm trying to remember which one was it. It's the one who's the dad, which one is the dad in of the shines. He's a sepia 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 is the dad who, who had needs the fish. Yeah, Shokaro Ono. Yeah, the the stuffed fish, and he drives a car called a Montage. And I'm like, is that no, a joke? Gray. 
Oh, gray. Okay. Shogo Yamadera. Okay. Yeah, but I'm like, he drives a car called a Montage. Is that a joke? And I tried looking up. I was like, I don't know if there ever was a car called a Montage. <laughs> it looks like it has a logo on the front that's one of those... Like what Wick Donalds is to McDonald's in anime, where yeah. you can sort of tell what it's supposed to be, but it's clearly not that. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, and this is also a point where, and this one, I think they did this in the first episode, but I noticed it in this episode, which was Seki and uh, Sakaki. Uh, <laughs> Sasaki, excuse me. Yeah. They, they bicker over really mundane things and then start <laughs> arguing about their... <laughs> about their evil plans, their grandiose evil plans. So they have a conversation about driver's licenses and long-distance phone calls. That's one of those dated jokes because they're like, it's only 10 cents a minute after 6 p.m. And I'm like, no one thinks about this anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it was the 90s. Yeah, and uh, then there was the driver's license. like, what? she does driving she doesn't even have a driver's license well you failed your driver's exam no i didn't i'm like (laughs) it's like you're evil invading aliens why do you need driver's licenses yeah but what what is it that doesn't sasaki say to seki you've been on earth too long yeah (laughs) basically (laughs) and then we have one of those uh, second episode plot twists which is, mm-hmm. it turns out the what's the commander's name again? Uh, the the uh, main commander is Kyoko Sakakibara. But Sakakibara. I think you're about to talk about uh, Hitomi Kasahara. Yes, her assistant. Plot twist: she's the sister of uh, which one was it? Seki. Yeah, it was Seki. I'm like, oh my gosh, you got all of these family. This is like a soap opera. They got all these family relations <laughs> going on, and when she revealed that she was one of the aliens in disguise I just wrote in my notes, Zelda? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. And then we just get flashbacks where she's talking to her brother and she's like, I'm going to go conquer Earth. And he's like, no, don't go do that. Well, well, no, no. He didn't agree with the invasion originally. Seki was going to try and advise the king of their planet not to invade. Mm. And then suddenly he's part of the invasion. And that's one of those plot points that unfortunately doesn't get resolved by the end no it feels like it's setting up something but it doesn't pay off yeah. but uh, but it's one of those things that adds an extra wrinkle to this dynamic and i'm just like oh my it, god it's probably explored in the manga i'm sure it is but i did write down it's like so we have one villain who has an obnoxious evil cousin and then we have another villain who has a sister who's trying to pull him from the dark side i who's working for the heroes, but apparently the only person who knows she's one of the, she's related to the villainous aliens is the commander. Yeah. (laughs) Because the Shinesmen don't know, like this got very complicated very quickly. (laughs) Yeah, this is, uh, there's so much going on. Again, really wish we had the manga. Really wish there were more episodes. Uh, I I I really do wish this had gone to series. I would have watched this. I would have watched it here. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So we have a lot of stuff built, like as a building off of the first episode, more stuff with, you know, everyone doesn't realize that the villains and heroes are real, you know, because Mm -hmm. even though they're doing things like flying. Yeah. They have, and they have wings. Yeah. They just look (laughs) up and go, wow, this part goes all out. (laughs) Yeah. And you 
then again, some of the stuff we see at the park is so futuristic anyway. Maybe it's not so weird. Like there's that one weird thing with the floating orbs and they're like, how do you think they're floating? They don't get an answer. Yeah. Well, and then I wonder if at some point while they were making this, that maybe they realized that I, I don't know if this was part of the joke was, you know, if this was meant to be part of the humor or if it was one of those things where they just threw it in there to, mm-hmm. you know, because they knew they weren't going to series, but there's that random line. It's just a line that we get from the sister where she says, Oh no, my brother Seki was brainwashed. I'm like, well, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> snuck that in there just to make it just to make that clear and i'm like you had a flashback you couldn't show it in the flashback <laughs> she wasn't there for that part uh, i guess not but then she just magically knows <laughs> mm-hmm. okay also it was at this point that i noticed that uh, matsumoto in true sentai and power ranger fashion our heroes have color coordinated civvies Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, some are more obvious than others Matsumoto not so much he has a red tie but that's about yep. it and his little brother has a shirt that says red on it Rico the salmon pink one has pink hair she has pink hair and then the other guys actually have clothes that match their colors mm-hmm. but Yamadera shines been gray even drives a gray car yes so the so I give them credit they kind of expanded off of a little bit it's not obvious but they still snuck it in there Mm-hmm. But I got to say, this episode, I'm like, Matsumoto's got a nice suit. I really yeah. like that suit. Reminds me of the 10th Doctor from Doctor Who or even Phoenix Wright. It's just that combination of the you know, blue suit, red tie. Just looks snazzy. Blue suit, red tie is also Will Eisner's the, the Spirit. Ah, that is true. That is true. Very classic. The Frank wonder Miller movie notwithstanding. Uh, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the less said about that, the better. <laughs> and this was also at a point when we get to the show, because that's what the plot of this one revolves around. Mm-hmm. We see it a bit at the end of the previous episode, because this theme park actually has a stage show for the great men, which is is a thing, you know, like Subaraya Productions does stage shows for the Ultraman and back in the 90s there was a Power Rangers stage show I have actually been to a DC and a Marvel style stunt show it was in a stadium but in universe this whole thing is sponsored by the villains through a deal they made with Wright Trading Company yeah which is just hilarious (laughs) just pile on the irony at that point but that's why we had the costume closet seen in the previous one because that's where all the monster suits and all that were stored and then again the superhero fight starts and the actors are like this wasn't in the script go with it you know know? leading to another great line you're sag improvise (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you know so they think the monster that they fight that the the shinesmen show up to fight is just part of the show so even they buy into it (laughs) and the audience just thinks it's part of the show so they do the same thing except this time sheena has we don't see this happen. And I'm like, who the heck did she replace them with? But she mm-hmm. replaces all of the great man actors with imposters who apparently have superpowers. And, and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, th- it's that trope. The evil Rangers trope. I like this. I'm going, I can yeah. go with this. So, you know, it's, it's not quite the psycho Rangers from power Rangers in space, but Hey, you know, <laughs> it's still funny within this context. It still works. So Matsumoto takes Yota <laughs> <laughs> to see the show because Greatman is uh, his favorite show. 
And then we have one of those. Uh, no, oh, this is the line that became the title for the episode because I wrote that I almost picked this one for the awards, which is, you know, girls really do seem to like a guy in spandex, <laughs> which was also <laughs> in the trailer. No context. It's just like, what? <laughs> And that's because he he and Yoda are sitting with Rika at the time, and even Rika's getting into the show. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that, that I also think is something interesting. Like, everyone seems to like Great Man, the show within a show in this universe. Mm-hmm. And it's curious that, like, that's how you can really tell it's some, uh, an affectionate parody here, because it's not shaming anyone for that. It's no. like, yeah, we think this is cool, too. Mm-hmm. And, and that's like... Not an idea that generally gets accepted in the West. I mean, you remember back in 2010 when there was an entire adult fandom that sprung up around My Little Pony, and that was so weird that two different documentaries came along trying to explain trying yeah. to explain it? Mm-hmm. I ran out of breath just then. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's how weird the notion is here. But over there, it's just like, yes, Great Men is technically for kids, but there are adults who will like it too. Mm-hmm. So what? Mm-hmm. I think that was actually something when I was talking to you about having you on the show to talk about this. You were actually, which just made the lit nut in me just very, very happy. You were actually going to connect it to something to do with C.S. Lewis. I wanted to hear more about that. Uh, yeah. The, you know, the quote about how uh, C.S. Lewis said, about like putting away childish things. Oh, okay. That's one of my favorite C.S. Lewis things. I'm going to look it up. Keep talking because I want people to hear this. It's the it's the quote where he says he put away child. He eventually got to an age where he put away childish things, including the childish desire to be more adult. Or also, there's the quote there. There's the message he puts at the beginning of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where he was writing it for one of his younger relatives, a niece, I think, where he says. By the time this is finished, you may be too old for fairy tales, but maybe someday you'll be old enough to appreciate fairy tales again. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's this whole idea in there, whether it was intentional or not, but there's this idea running through Shinesman that you're never too old to like something like Henshin Heroes or Tokusatsu or something like yeah, that. Yeah, here it is. When I was 10, I read fairy tales in secret and would have been ashamed if I had been found doing so. Now that I am 50, I read them openly. When I became a man, I put away childish things, including the fear of childishness and the desire to be very grown up. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> I absolutely adore that thing because if you stop and think about it, and if anyone is honest about when, you know, their childhoods, only children worry about being adults. Exactly. It is it's such a paradox because you know, again, it, true maturity in a lot of ways. Being an adult means act like a kid. You know, Don't concern yeah. yourself with being an adult because children worry about being, quote-unquote, adult. Because you know, when you're a kid, you're always like, oh, I want to grow up so I can do X, Y, and Z. You're preoc- there are points where you're preoccupied with that. But when you're an adult, it's just like, why would I want to do that? And then we start getting nostalgic for childhood. Yeah. You know, it's weird. You know, when we're kids, we want to be grown up. And then when we're grown up, we want to be kids again. <laughs> you know, and, you know, some of us never fully grow out of it. There is the option of like growing old without growing up. You know, mm-hmm. I'm one of those people who never stopped watching cartoons uh, at a certain point. It's like, well, clearly Dora, the Explorer is not for me. So I'm not going to watch that when I'm yeah. 30 and don't have children, but 
you know, something like like getting Animaniacs on DVD. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a fan of the reboot. Sorry if you are. Or, I haven't um, seen it yet, so I don't know. <laughs> or like more recent stuff like Amphibia, which actually references Common Rider a lot in its most recent season. Mm. Things like that. If it's good, it's good. It doesn't matter if it's animated or live action, whether it's technically made for kids or technically aimed at adults or just made for a general audience. Who cares? If it's a good show, it's a good show. A good story is a good story. It doesn't exactly. really matter if you know uh, what it involves at that point. I put a thing out on Twitter where I said, hero stories matter. It doesn't matter if those heroes are ancient demigods, Wild West gunslingers, caped crusaders, or transforming spandex-clad super teens. Mm. <laughs> you know, or trucks that turn into robots yeah. or flying turtles with tusks. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And people get way too wrapped up about the genre trappings or the, or the perceptions about whether or not it's quote unquote for kids or not. I will tell you that probably the most awkward time of my life when it came to those things was when I was a teenager. Cause I still wanted to watch some cartoons, but I'm like, but I should be grown up. I should be outgrowing this. That's what people yeah. tell me anyway. So there's, and then when I got to college and I was a young adult and I found my tribe, so to speak of, you know, fellow nerds there, I'm just like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to yeah. keep watching. <laughs> it's, I, yeah, I found exactly. other people who enjoy it too. And they're quote unquote grown ups, Right. <laughs> and of course, the, of course you also have the irony that like, like when I was a teenager, the only animation that my friends were mostly watching was anime because that wasn't like cartoons for kids and anything. But then again, you look over in Japan and a lot of the shows they were watching were technically for kids anyway. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> you know, Dragon Ball Z is uh, for, you know, for grownups or big kids. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, guys. <laughs> Keep telling I yourselves mean, that. <laughs> I mean, granted, standards are different. Fist of the North Star was made for kids, and that's like ultra violent. But... <laughs> I can't think of, I can't hear Fist of the North Star without picturing the memes. <laughs> that's all I, that's when you said Fist of the North Star, that's all that comes to mind. But, yeah. <laughs> but I do like what you're bringing up here. And I think it's, that's an idea that we might want to circle back to when we talk about the end of this episode. Cause I actually really like the end of this episode. Yeah. But let's get back to this. So I neglected. To bring this up, but you know, the transformation sequence, the henshin sequence, because those are big deals in these shows. Oh, yeah. And even, and also in animes, I mean, Sailor Moon, need I say more? So uh, we have the henshin scene, and it's about what you would expect. Apparently, they can teleport the armor because they wear armor. They actually flat out say it's armor. Hmm. And they can teleport it there. They can also teleport the characters, which I'm like, that must have been borrowed from Power Rangers because the Zhu Rangers can't teleport. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was a Power Rangers invention, and uh, so it's a little bit kind of Iron Manish in a way. But they look like Sentai suits for sure. But they also look yeah. very much like like an Iron Man sort of stuff. I'm, and I actually like the fact that the visors are a bit see through. Depends on the shot. Sometimes they're see through. Sometimes they're not. And but I, what I what I really like is the mouths are exposed, which mm-hmm. is one of the things that's a little bit confusing about Power Ranger helmets because they've got. 
what look like built-in mouths where you could just have a gap. And sometimes yeah. the characters mm-hmm. act like that those are exposed mouths when I'm like, that's part of the helmet. Why do you not have <laughs> filters on the helmet for things like gas? I don't know. <laughs> At least it looks good on those. When you try doing that to in a live-action G.I. Joe movie, it looks weird. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny bit. Well, let's not talk about that. Yeah, let's not. But the the Henshin music, I wrote down the Henshin music, right, reminds me of Mega Man X. <laughs> which is very much in keeping with that aesthetic and that time. That was the kind of music that was popular. And I'm very nostalgic for the Mega Man X games. What can I say? (laughs) (laughs) And I love how when we, when the final fight starts and they have to fight the great man imposters, (laughs) instead of it coming to blows immediately, it's a pose off. Yeah, because the uh, the actors that were replaced initially come on. Yeah, and they're like, "Hey, that's not us!" And they're all they're there, they're there in their underwear, and like they're all wearing different kinds of underwear too. It's really funny. Like one guy has an undershirt and boxers. One guy just has boxers. One guy has briefs. One guy looks like he's wearing like, like a sumo, like a what is it called? Uh, there's a name for that. The you know, the, yeah, whatever it is. the sumo undergarment. I'm just like, Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, guys, you just come out there. You don't care. No shame. I'm just, they are actors. <laughs> this is true. And, but I just like, it's initially, it's just, they're just posing off a little bit of like, oh, in order to prove that they're the, they're real. <laughs> and the guys that are currently posing as the great men are imposters. Yeah. And that the shines men, cause they try to say the shines men are bad guys. And I'm like, no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to pose to prove it. And that leads to some great commentary from the audience, like this one kid saying, well, it's kind of hard to tell with the boxers and stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. It also made me think of Ginyu Force from Dragon Ball Z, which you know that had that Ginyu Force had to be a, like a Sentai parody of some kind, mm-hmm. because at that point, that trope was in full swing, which my understanding is that, you know, the ridiculous hyperactive gestures and the posing and all of that was originally done for practical reasons back in the <laughs> late seventies, because the actors, you couldn't see their faces so you, that you couldn't see their faces emote. So they had to use body language. So they just kept really exaggerating the body language. And then it just became <laughs> part of the Sentai tradition. Yeah. Now you can't picture Sentai without it. <laughs> yeah, basically. And then Sheena just, then Sheena actually starts the real deal fight by, I don't even know what it was. I just wrote down the meta what's it zone. <laughs> Yeah, whatever that is. It's got some weird Star Trek techno babble name. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Basically, it's a pocket dimension where mm-hmm. all of where both teams have to fight. <laughs> like in the this dark, rocky, craggy zone. Which yeah, isn't that sort of? Don't actual Super Sentai shows, live shows, do that too? Oh yeah, so many quarries. <laughs> Uh, and it's at that point, uh, I will, and apparently by doing that, it makes the imposters more powerful. Again, I don't know what these imposters are, but apparently they're more powerful in this pocket dimension. I referred to them in my notes, which is a joke. They'll probably come back. That will come back in my other upcoming podcast, the power trip. I called them the mighty Morphin poser Rangers. <laughs> Cause they're fakes. <laughs> Yeah, it, it makes them more powerful because that's the way it works. Yes, because that's the rule of this kind of series. Yeah, that's just how it works. You go with it. My gosh, if I had a dollar for every time there was a weird pocket dimension that showed up in Power Rangers, 
Well, I would have at least paid off the rest of my student loans. Let's say that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Happened a lot. I was like, how many pocket dimensions can you have? (laughs) You at least use the same one. (laughs) Streamline it a little bit, you know, crisis on infinite earth style, but for pocket dimensions, you know? So we, and then we have our big final battle, which, uh, we'll talk a, a little bit more in my awards or in the awards, I should say. Then that joke I was talking about comes back because, you know, the all the bad guys are defeated. Matsumoto and Sheena realize who each other are. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, there's a nice little twist in that relationship that I'm not going to see pan out, unfortunately. Because yeah. <laughs> they figure out, oh, you're one of the bad guys. You're one of the Shinesmen. You know, I was like, oh, well, there went that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there went that. But then Seki and Sasaki save her, and they bring the joke back. She ended up getting the glowing green square. <laughs> yeah, no, that's when back. they that's when they're gonna send her away. Excuse me. They do yeah. grab her using a portal, but and then well, that's the, end of the first episode. Yeah, was it? No, don't they do that in this one too? Or am I no, getting the episodes just, mixed she up? She flees the pocket dimension on her own. That's right. See, I'm getting them mixed up now, unfortunately. And then the pocket dimension starts to collapse, but the Shinesmen get out just in time. Well, yeah, because they got teleported out because, yeah. you know, because we have Lady Zordon. You know, mm-hmm. Well, she's not even Lady Zordon. She's the yeah, mentor, her- but I can't really think of a Sentai or Power Ranger archetype that she really fits into nicely other than the mentor. Yeah, she's just the one in charge. I think she's usually in charge of human resources, isn't she? Yeah, that's what she says. So does that mean that the sister is Alpha 5? Yeah. And, of course, our commander, Kyoko Kakebara, is also the female equivalent of a man-child in some ways. (laughs) Yeah, because she's like, I want to be a Shinesman too. And, oh, man, everyone makes fun of the colors. Okay, fine, I'll change the colors. (laughs) She's very sensitive about this. (laughs) Yeah, I love it, actually. I'm like, I want more of this character. (laughs) I want more of all of them. I want want more of all of this. You only have to be two. It's like, I want more of I I want this mom. I want this manga so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. And then we get to the end of the scene because they send Sheena away. It's like, Sheena getting the glowing green square. And she's like, you shouldn't be trying to conquer the earth. And I, I don't know about you, but I think that Shine's been red is pretty handsome. You know, <laughs> she's just yeah. annoying. He them. says that right as she leaves to, <laughs> in order to get Sasaki's hackles up, basically. <laughs> basically. And then we have one of the, what I think is, one of the funnier lines in the show, which is the the two of them are chatting and one of I can't remember which one of them Sasaki. says this, but one of them says it's a Saki. It's the it's the main bad guy. OK. Leader. And he says the last laugh will be on the Shinesman. And then he laughs maniacally. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, was that on purpose? <laughs> it, it has to be. It's part of the satire. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so fun. The thing is, is with, even with all of this ridiculousness and this laugh out loud comedy, at points kind of absurd comedy, <laughs> we get to the last scene of this OVA and it's actually very endearing. It becomes mm-hmm. very subtle. It's like what I said when I in my recent episode of the Film Vault on Gamera the Brave, where I said like this is this resonates because it's emo because it's emotionally honest yeah. and. Again, going back to that thing we were talking about with, you know, putting away childish things like the fear of being seen as childish when you become an adult, Mm -hmm. where Matsumoto 
goes into his little brother's bedroom to tuck him in. Which, by the way, again, we're, we've got the... I don't know what this trope... Uh, what is with the Japanese media and this trope, but what is the deal with young adults and vastly younger siblings? I just... It is a thing. I see it everywhere now. But he walks in, and his little brother is already asleep, and he kind of goes over and he tucks him in a little bit, and he looks over on his desk, and he has this crayon drawing that he made of... Shinesman Red because he thinks Shinesman Red is the coolest one and he doesn't know that his brother is Shinesman Red. Mm-hmm. And that's how it ends. He sees that he just, and Matsumo just smiles at it a little bit and that's how the episode ends. I'm like, oh, Yeah, that's such a nice ending. It's like, I mean, uh, he keeps saying throughout the two episodes that he's fighting for his little brother. Mm-hmm. That's his reason to mm-hmm. win, basically. Mm-hmm. But- it's a very... Very tried and true anime shonen hero motivation, yeah. you know? Yeah. And he keeps saying it. It's the very dramatic line. But for some reason, seeing it at this very ending without any dialogue, just getting the visuals of it hits a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It, it resonates more emotionally because mm-hmm. you can see it actually is making a difference. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's not just protecting his little brother. He's inspiring him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's also that, you know, that admiration because, you know, it's, you know, it's like he knows that his little brother is admiring him. He doesn't, his little brother doesn't know that, but, you know, is admiring him because he's a hero. And it also reminds me of, there's, uh, C.S. Lewis had a line like this and uh, G.K. Chesterton has a line like this about why, why heroes, particularly you know, like superheroes and all of that, you know, these mythical heroes are very important to children, which is that, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where they learn that the world is a scary place, but you can be brave and you can overcome the scary things. I think GK Chesterton put is like, you know, that children need to know about the existence of both knights and dragons. And that what they can learn from those stories is that not only are knights and dragons quote unquote real, but the dragon can be defeated. And yeah. that, and Lou and C.S. Lewis said that if you know that children need to know about brave knights so that they too can be brave, and so it made yeah. me think of that as well, which is why I said earlier, you know, hero stories matter; they really do. Unless you think that we're stretching to try and t- tie it into the episode, it's not just a picture dr- written on the picture that Yoda drew, or in kanji, of course, but when you translate it, it's strong shinesman red. Mm-hmm. Which so, is which is a, also a little yeah, bit of a naming convention in Toku shows. Yeah, but yeah, but at the same time, it's like they specifically went with strong, mm-hmm. teaching him strength, showing him that the good guy can, is the strong one. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's tying back into all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, there's a lot. Like I said, there's a lot of resonance there, and uh, I, I really mm-hmm. appreciate that. You know, it's one of those things. I I really like the comedies that will have these moments of drama. It's like, you know, people talk about when you have a drama, you got to have, quote unquote, you know, comic relief scenes. But when you do a Mm -hmm. comedy, the best comedies are the ones that stop and they have these dramatic moments. So it's like dramatic. What is that? Instead of comic relief, it's dramatic relief, I guess you could call it. So like a go to example could be like Home Alone. You know, Home Alone is a screwball comedy throughout the whole thing. But then you have the scene at the church where... Kevin goes in there and then he actually meets the scary old man who lives next door and finds out that he's not scary. And then Mm -hmm. that gives him the inspiration to be brave and deal with the burglars in comic fashion. 
Yeah. Or an example I can think of that I actually did an entire video on a scene from Looney Tunes back in action where a lot of the time it's like this weird combination of live action and animation where the Looney Tunes are messing up in the real world. But then there's this brief moment towards the middle where Bugs and Daffy are sitting by a campfire and they have the closest thing they will ever get to a heart to heart where Daffy finally just says that, I mean, it's not directly said, but he basically tells Bugs, you don't get why I don't like you. Uh huh. <laughs> like you, you've got it so easy and I have to work my tail off just to get half the respect you do. And that it ends with Bugs just sort of looking at him like, maybe I have missed the point. Mm-hmm. And from there, you can see a little bit of a change in their dynamic where now Bugs isn't pressuring Daffy to come back. He's just sort of going along and helping him. They're still clearly acting like themselves. They've still got that back and forth sort of bickering sort of thing. But it is a little bit different all because of that scene. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, I, it just it's interesting that we start off with this absurd comedy and it ends on a very mm-hmm. endearing dramatic moment. I really like it. And that was the moment where like, I wish this had gone to series. Yeah, <laughs> I really wish this had gone to series. I want more of this. <laughs> Somebody full metal alchemist brother. This, hood this show, Come on. <laughs> please, please, ah, <laughs> please. All right. So that moves us on to the awards that we do here on Henshin men. And our first award is the Henshin Kick, which goes to the best stunt or fight scene. With you being the guest on the I will let you go first. Best fight scene. I mean, hard to say stunt because it's all animated. I know. I've kind of had to adapt the awards a little bit. Like, one of them is for the best special effects. I'm like, uh, (laughs) best Mm. animated sequence, Uh, I guess. We'll figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I would say best fight scene. I mean... Could be the pose off. I mean, technically, that is a competition. <laughs> that and the good guys win. It's, it's non. It's non combat combat. I can go along with this. I mean, especially exactly. in this context. If you've got to be a true hero, you need to know how to do the pose. You do. Doesn't matter you if can. you're a Japanese Toku hero or you're an American. So American superheroes love to pose too. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Three point landing, very yep. hard on the knees. Yes. But that is a thing. That is a thing. Mine, mm-hmm. I gave to, I just, I don't remember. They called it something in true anime fashion. I don't remember what it was. I just wrote down, final crazy team tornado attack. <laughs> when they all start, they're all falling. All the Shinesmen are falling. And then they all start grabbing hands in dramatic fashion. And then they start spinning around into a tornado. And then they undo, <laughs> they defeat, I should say, the tornado attack that the poser rangers are doing the great men yeah. <laughs> i'm just like okay i don't think they give theirs a name i think they just look at the what the great men are doing and say if they can do it so can we <laughs> yeah <do>. basically <laughs> <laughs> although final crazy team tornado attack actually sounds almost legit i have to say yeah if they reboot it that's what we're going with <laughs> that's what we we're going with. yeah and now for talking toku the best special effect yeah <laughs> you need extra animation to pull off a good special effect. This is true. What did you have? <laughs> see of the things we saw. Cause I mean, it was made on the cheap relatively, but uh-huh. I would say, Hmm. I would say I'd go with just 
the uh hmm I think the monster, Giramul. Uh, monsters are considered special effects. So yes. He he's got a good design, sort of like like you said, could stand could have come from the Sentai series, could have come from the Cthulhu mythos, could have come from Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. Match all of those ideas together, that's what you get. Basically. Uh, the one I had actually was this comical scene that works on several levels. One is working on just uh, ridiculous anime logic. <laughs> and two, also on that live action Sentai Toku hero thing, which is when, <laughs> when Matsumoto is giving, I think it was Sheena actually, he's giving Sheena his business card yeah. and suddenly all of the crazy anime effects show up and it's hyper dramatic where he's like holding up the the card above his head he's like and here is my business card and it's got, it's got all the effects and sound and everything it's like he's doing an anime attack and it's just handing her the business she, card and i'm like i wish that would happen when it. i did that <laughs> when sheena takes it when sheena takes it she goes wow that was impressive <laughs> yeah I'm like I was like, so it actually happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I wish that would happen when I gave people my business card. That would be mm. amazing. <laughs> uh, so that that was that was great. And now we come to one of the harder ones to do on for this one because <laughs> there oh, were yeah. so many to pick from. Common at you, the best uh, the best line. We talked about a lot of them already, but I left out the one that I picked. But what did you have on me? If you had to hold the gun to my head, I think for now I would pick one of the lines where Shotaro shines, no, no, not Shotaro, uh, Shogo shines in gray, starts feeling self-conscious about his color <laughs> right after they get transported to the pocket dimension and uh, while all, re- the rest of the characters are going, where are we? How did we get here? He's going, oh, I like my color. It's a manly regal color. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the most self-conscious about people making fun yeah. of his color. He becomes mildly yeah. obsessed with it as the, throughout the with whole a, thing. With a brief follow-up coming right after they've escaped it and as the crowd is cheering them for winning, he yells, Gray is good! <laughs> <laughs> they teleported away. Yeah, I remember so. that too. Uh, <laughs> mine was from actually it was from great the great man red actor, <laughs> and it's one of those ones. It's a dated pop culture joke, but even if you don't fully understand the reference, there's enough kind of like funny context that the joke still lands which is Sheena is yelling at the great man actors and saying, like, I'm a princess, you know, because they're like, who the heck are you? And <laughs> the great man red actor in his skivvies just sits there and points at it and says, if you're a princess, I'm the artist formerly known as Prince. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, that is so left field and it's so dated, but it still works. And it's just, I was just, I was a little blindsided by that joke when I heard it. Yeah. If we haven't convinced you by now that this show has one of the most quotable dubs of all time, then nothing will convince you. I mean, it's it's right up there with Cowboy Be- the Cowboy Bebop dub, I have to say, because the Cowboy Bebop dub is very quotable, too. Oh, yeah. But in a different way. Yeah, it's a very different way. And now we come to one of my favorite awards on the show, WTH, what the henshin, for the craziest moment. Again, there's a lot we could have picked from, but no I, have a, I wonder if we have the same one. 
I think we do. Yeah, it is together. it the co- is it the commercial? Oh yes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that one blindsided me too. I was not prepared for that. There's a point because they they're really playing into this. So they get to a commercial break. All right, and anime and toku shows do this. You get a commercial break half at the halfway point. And it's usually broken up with like a title card or something like that. So you see the title card, mm-hmm. so you know you're going to commercial. And then the show comes back and it's either the same title card or a slightly v- different version of the title card. And that's how you know the show is back. Theoretically, there's commercials in the middle of there. Well, mm-hmm. since this was an OVA, which means original video animation, they technically didn't have commercials. So even though both of these episodes have those breaks... Since it went straight to video, they didn't actually have commercials, so they made their own. <laughs> Four Shinesman products. Four Shinesman of all things. Yes. Not action figures. Bath products. Yeah. It's a shower yeah. set with this a, guy a with like a, 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 like a silly Shinesman Halloween costume telling people to buy this stuff. Yeah, and it's stuff like a bowl that looks like a Shinesman helmet, business card cutter soap, and a towel that's that you can sling over your head that looks like the uniform. <laughs> Imagine how much fun you'll have being a Shinesman in the shower. That's another quotable line. Yeah. I was just like, oh my gosh, they made their own commercials. <laughs> It's, it actually made me think a little bit of a WandaVision. They did that too in WandaVision. <laughs> they had their own commercials <laughs> that actually were technically part of the show because it's on a streaming mm-hmm. service. So they don't have real commercials, but they made actual they made their own commercials that were styled with whatever decade they were emulating on that episode of mm-hmm. WandaVision. It was <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was I was not expecting that. And the sad thing is I'm sure stuff like that actually exists, but for actual Toku franchises, because they mm-hmm. merchandise the snot out of all of those. <laughs> but would you own a Shinesman shower set? I think I probably would. <laughs> Same here. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I think I probably would. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, Omni, and that takes us to Minute to Henshin It. This is the segment hey, where... You transported into a pocket dimension? Oh, yes, the uh, Meta What's-It zone. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay, that explains it. Continue. Yes. <laughs> Not to be confused with the Meta Whatchamacallit zone. Oh, yeah, I hate that place. Oh, yeah. that yeah. Terrible cell service. Oh, horrible, horrible. Anyway, this is the part of the show where we give our final thoughts on whatever we have covered in this episode in one minute or less. As the guest Omni, I will let you go first. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. On your mark, get set, go. Shinesman is basically a lost classic. It is painfully short. I wish there were more. I really hope one day maybe it'll be rediscovered. But if you can find it, I'm sure you'll love it and you'll be quoting it for years afterward. Believe you me. Well, sheesh, you did that in 18 seconds. You're even better at this than Travis. (laughs) And I didn't even practice. (laughs) Didn't even practice. 
<laughs> All right, it is my turn. And on my mark, get set, go. So I have to agree with you, <laughs> Omni. This is, I do think this is a lost classic. I mean, and what you said was true. You're going to be quoting this thing for days after you've seen it. I was quoting it for days when all I saw of it was that weirdo out of context media blasters trailer. <laughs> that should tell you something. <laughs> so, I mean, and if you're, even if you're not into anime, but you like Sentai or Power Rangers, mm -hmm. I would still say watch this. If you can get yeah. past the fact that it's anime, I think you've got a lot of enjoyment on here. Like you said, this is an affectionate spoof. It's made by people who you know, like this stuff and know how it works, which is why they can poke fun at it. You know, as weird as this might sound, it's the same sort of thing that makes Mel, uh, Mel Brooks movies work as well as they do. Mm -hmm. And I did yeah. that right yeah. on the nose, <laughs> but I did want to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, this is, it's like Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks didn't hate the things yeah. that he was parodying. He loved it. That's exactly. why, that's why he oh, made yeah. the parodies. It's like, you know, it's, you always tease the people that you love the most, you know? That's how families are, yeah. you know? They always poke fun at each other, but it's because they love each other. And everyone who's listening to this has heard how much we've been laughing just as we've been recapping it. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> that should tell you something. Like I said, I'll have a link to the YouTube posting for the dub version, but I do recommend, if you can, track down the DVD, which I think I'm probably going to do. So, with that... Mm. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Henshin Men, a tokusatsu appreciation podcast. You can find links to all of our social media in the description of this episode. You can listen to more of me on the Monster Island Film Vault and soon the Power Trip and more of Omni Viewer on his YouTube channel. Is there anything else you would like to plug before we move on, Omni? Well, if you're interested, you can check out any of my books, but I plug those in all of my videos in case you never actually see them. I'll give you the titles. Operation Red Dragon, The Daikaiju Wars Part 1, Occult Mafia, Emerald of Maddox City, and Assorted Absurdities, Tales of Kaiju Punk, and other genres. All set in the same universe, but you can read them in any order you wish. Go ahead. Please check them out. You know, there's more to come. All righty then. If you found some enjoyment from this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser. Until next time, what are we going to say, Omni? We will say, go and shine, shines man. Okay, I'm going to What do you think, too cheesy? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to keep that. <laughs> <laughs>